Today I'm going to be talking about what it means to stand unashamed before God. You know, the Bible says that Adam and Eve was naked and uh, unashamed. And that's something very important. And when we look at that, it's really shaking the foundation of Christian doctrine. What we're going to talk about today is what does it mean to be naked and uh, what does it mean to be unashamed? What happened to Adam and Eve when they sinned and how we can live a life where we are not ashamed? In our previous broadcast, I spoke about uh, standing perfect in your imperfections. And this is going to be a further explanation of that, although it's going to be a little bit technical and doctrinal, but it will really touch your heart and bless you. Now, sometimes we've got messages that are just there for uh, encouragement, which will uplift you and encourage you. Others are there so that you, from a deep understanding, can have uh, upliftment and encouragement. And this is one of those. We're going to look a little bit at uh, doctrine. We're going to look at uh, man and the way man was created. We're going to look at uh, immortality. We're going to look at the end of the gospel. We're going to look at what God has planned for us and so much more. So I'm excited about today's service. Uh, so put your uh, thinking cap on, open your heart to understand the doctrine and to be stretched in your, um, in, in your beliefs. When we look at uh, the finished work of Jesus Christ, it all starts with God's original plan. You know, God's original plan was to give man eternal life. Eternal life wasn't something that people had inherently. It was something that God would give man. What God did when he created man is he created man from the dust of the earth and he knew that man in essence was dust. So God came and he gave life unto dust. And dust did not have the ability to maintain the life that God granted dust uh, forever. Only God could preserve the life he created in man. <clears throat> you know, when we look at uh, Jesus, when we look at God, when we look at what he created, we need to look at it um, from the perspective of eternal life as a free gift. We need to look at man in um, man as a whole. I think one of the most dangerous things that we can do in our understanding of Christianity is to look at ourselves as, as a spirit, soul, and body and not looking at ourselves as a human, a complete human. Uh, again, and I've said this in previous broadcasts, that I'm not saying we don't have a spirit, soul, and body. What I'm saying to you is that you are a human and that salvation is found in what Christ has done and accomplished as a human. If you want to look at eternal life, you need to look at Jesus. He is eternal life. He is our salvation expressed in the deepest form. And He possesses a body that cannot die. That is so, so important. Uh, church, I want to say this to you, and I'm going to say it to you many times. The gospel is the good news of God granting immortality to man. Man came and uh, um, brought himself to a place where he was enslaved to sin and death. And God came, broke that slavery, and gave man access to the tree of life so that whosoever wants to, whosoever believes and can rely upon him, that God can preserve the life that you have eternally, that he can change it and shape it into the highest quality of life um, that you could ever imagine. And above that, this is what the Apostle Paul says, that we will receive above what we can pray or even think. Um, he will give that unto us and that he will uh, settle that in immortality, undying life. We need to understand that. Now, I want us to go to, um, uh, to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 25. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 25. And let's read together. It says, And they were both naked, the man and the wife, and they were not ashamed. 
Very important. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were unashamed. Now, if you can just look at me, this is just one of the greatest passages in the Bible that reveals our design, how we were made, what we were taken from, and in this we can understand what Christ has come to do. When we look at nakedness, what is nakedness? How does nakedness, why were Adam and Eve naked? And the Bible comes and and it says here that they were not ashamed. This is a great thing in our understanding of the gospel, that Adam and Eve were naked and they were not ashamed. Now, if, if we go to the next slide, we're just gonna, I'm just going to read from uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1, and we're going to see what this nakedness is. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building with God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked. For For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not that we should be unclothed or that we should die, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that has wrought us for this same Self same thing as God who has given unto us the down payment or the earnest of the spirit. Therefore we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body we are absent from the Lord. Now <clears throat> that is so so powerful. You know what it says here it basically says that um, we have a life in this world and then it goes on here and he says that we don't want to be unclothed. Now, the context here is people going through persecution, people going through difficult times, and people just experiencing the things of this life. And Paul comes and he prays here. He says that we are groaning in this tabernacle. And that groaning is clearly expressed in Romans 8 verse 1. And we're going to look at that as well. Or Romans 8 verse 11, we're going to look at that as well. But that groaning is expressed clearly, expressed as man experiencing a desire to be clothed with immortality in the human body. That is what it is. You know, we, we, we've thought that the scripture, Paul says, you know, that, um, you know, that he just, it would be better for him to be with Jesus and he's just wishing to die. That was one of the things we, we, we read in Philippians. We think that Paul was at a place where he was saying, well, I just wish I could die and be with the Lord. When Paul said that, that is not, uh, you know, when Paul talks about this unclothing and clothing and all of that, he's talking about him desiring for his body to come to a place where his body has received what the body of Jesus has received, which is to conquer physical death. And you might say, Bertie, you know, uh, and I know that w- when I speak about immortality, that it is not... Uh, a loved doctrine. I don't know why it is like that. I must be honest with you. If I write something on Facebook, you know, you can see, if I say God loved the world, you can find 200 likes. If I say God came to give you eternal life so that you can have immortality in your body, in the return of Christ, you find 20 likes. It is as if people are unsure about this, as if they don't know what this is all about. Now, Adam and Eve were naked. Now here, Here we find nakedness defined. Paul comes and he says here, we don't want to, uh, he, he says we want, we have life now. But we don't want to be unclothed. We don't want to die. We want to be further clothed. So what he's saying is we're not wishing to have an end of this persecution or just escape this earth and go to heaven. That's not our wish. That's not our groaning. Our groaning is that we would enter immortality that we would have immortality manifest in our bodies. And that was his hope. That was what he wanted. And he said here, and I want to uh, uh, I, I um, read this again. He says here, If so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked. He says, We groan and we earnestly desire to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. So he says, In heaven there's something that we want to be clothed, clothed with. 
This is our desire. We're waiting for our salvation, which comes from heaven, that our bodies can be saved, that we will not be found naked. That we will not be found naked, that we would be found with immortality. So here we find Adam and Eve, when they were made, they were made from the dust of the earth. And this is what I want to say. Adam and Eve was made from the dust of the earth. And when they were made, life was given to them. Eternal life was not given to them. Life was given to them. And then there was the tree of life, which they could go to and then uh, partake of that tree. They could, with the life they have, um, not having the ability to preserve their lives forever, not possessing eternal life in themselves within their own ability, but they could only possess eternal life as something that would be put upon them, that they can be clothed with in their relationship with God. There they were, beings that had access to death. Now, I want to say this. You might say, Barry, are you saying that God made Adam and Eve to die? No. What I'm saying is, is that when God made Adam and Eve, when he took the dust of the earth and he gave life to that dust, that dust... Um, was not clothed. That dust does not have the ability, human flesh does not have the ability to preserve his life forever. Human ability does not have, have the power or the authority to preserve his life forever. That means that Adam, by design, outside of God preserving his life by his love for Adam, would die. That is what it means. Now, you might feel that that is a radical statement to make, but I want to say, and you might think that, you know, God doesn't make mistakes. How could he make something that can die? Uh, the way I see it is that God borrowed life to man. And by design, um, dust does not have the ability. Dust is actually something that in itself is dead. So what God did was he made man alive. He took what is dead and he, he breathed life into that shell and made it a living soul. And he granted it to be alive. That is what he did. But dust in itself cannot produce life. It's like, um, you know, when you look at evolution, you would say, and you know, people say there is no creator. They, you know, my question is, do you want to say to me that nothing created something? Uh, how, <laughs> how could there just be something just from somewhere? Where did it come from? The question is also always, where did it come from? So if you want to say to me nothing created something, I will say to you that is impossible. And God came and inside this nothing, he spoke and brought forth a heaven and an earth and he brought forth dust. And that dust didn't have life in itself. That dust couldn't by on its own accord produce life. It is impossible. God was needed. And, and man, when man came and indwelled this dust or this, this, this earth suit, if you want to call it like that, or the human body, that human body, since the origin of that is dust, we were taken from dust and the breath of life was given to the dust and that we are only dust. That means that in ourselves, we are not clothed by ourselves with eternal life. And we need to understand that. Eternal life was not, is not inherent. It is a gift of God. It is something that only God can give, can do. Only God can preserve your life. If God's power doesn't preserve your life, you will die. You, they were naked. They were not clothed with eternal life in human flesh. What that means is, and the way I see nakedness there is, um, and this is what Paul said, he says, we now have a life, but we are desiring Christ's life because we don't want to be found naked. We don't want to be found without eternal life that we enter eternal death. We don't want to be found standing in our own ability, 
trying to preserve our lives. We want to be clothed with the immortal. Therefore, our desire is towards God to preserve our lives, where we're not trying to preserve our lives by our own works. Now, I want to uh, read, um, let me see, let us, let us just elaborate a little bit on this from Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, it says, But if the Spirit of Him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwells in you. That means that at this time we are not clothed with a body that is from above, but we can be clothed with that body. It says, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope for what a man sees why does he yet hope for it but if we hope for that we see not then do we do we we do it with patience and we wait for it It says we patiently patiently wait the new king james says likewise the spirit also helps our infirmities for we know not what we shall pray for as we ought but the spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered now what this says is very important. It comes and it says here, we are saved by hope. And it comes and says that Christ, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, shall also quicken our mortal bodies. It shall quicken our mortal bodies. So we've got a mortal body and the spirit can quicken that body that we would not be found naked, but that we would be clothed with the life of God by the Holy Spirit. What that means uh, when the Bible says, and Adam didn't have the ability, Adam in himself, by himself, did not have the ability to preserve his own life. He didn't have eternal life in himself. That is what it's saying. Adam was created a being that could not have eternal life by his own ability. He doesn't have that. And so are all of we. All of us. We are like that. We've, we don't have that, that, that ability. But if we go to, you know, if we go and we look at what, what takes place here, we see in Genesis that Adam and Eve was unashamed. Now what that means is that I don't think they didn't know that they were naked. I think that what, what took place there was, if, if we just look physically, physically, I think they, if you want to talk about a physical creation, I think it's, it would be uh, foolish to think they didn't know that they were, weren't clothed with clothes. Um, but Adam and Eve didn't walk in the consciousness of their nakedness. Adam and Eve's lives, you know, they, they were building a relationship with God. They were at a place where their mindset was not focused on on, um, on their ability, where they, they knew that they had life, God would come and He would speak to them in the cool of the day. He would fellowship with His friend Adam. And in that fellowship, the, the, I, I think the plan of God was that Adam would then, in this relationship, partake of the tree of life and be clothed with the immortal life of God. If Adam had immortality, he wouldn't have been able to die, um, and he did. And he wouldn't even have access unto death. Like Jesus, our Jesus in heaven that's clothed with an immortal body, cannot, he cannot die. It is impossible, he cannot die. Um, he doesn't even have access unto death. But here Adam was, and he was still the place where he had access unto death. He was at a place where he could live by, by, by uh, human willpower, or he could try and preserve his life with the death or the dust or the, the, the dust of the earth that he was made of. Now, uh, this can be shocking to you, and please don't be offended by this definition, but if you go and study in the, in, in the Hebrew what the word dust means, it just means soil, dust. It actually, one of the meanings there is rubbish. Now, I'm not saying that we are rubbish, but as much as what rubbish doesn't have any use in bringing forth something beautiful or bringing forth life, uh, I think when we look at our own ability, the Bible says that our most, most righteous works are like filthy rags 
you know, uh, before Him. It cannot preserve our lives. Our righteous works, when God looks at our righteous works, He says that's rubbish. In connection, why is it rubbish to God? Because it cannot save your life. And God's plan is to preserve your life eternally. So, um, Adam and Eve was unashamed. They were unashamed. And here we see, even today, we are at a place where we are living in the hope of immortality. We are living in the hope of immortality. That means we are still in a place where we in our bodies are, and I want to say even in our thoughts, uh, you know, because our bodies doesn't have the full capacity that we can to think and reason. I mean, we be, can become tired. We can have all those kind of things. I think just in human capacity, we cannot fully um, think of how good God is. Our hearts can experience it, but our bodies cannot think and meditate upon that fully because our bodies is mortal. And here Paul comes and he says, the spirit that indwells us shall also quicken our mortal body. So we also, in a certain degree, where Adam and Eve was. Now, let us go to ashamed. And, and I'm going to explain what ashamed is. And I tell you, I believe this message is going to bless you today. It says, Adam and Eve was not ashamed. Here's the definition to, of ashamed. To put to shame, to be ashamed, to be disconcerted, to be disappointed. Or point one be there to delay. Again, point one, to put a, to put to shame, to be ashamed, to be disconcerted, to be dis, disappointed. The word disconcerted on the next slide there means to be broken, interrupted, disordered, defeated, unsettled, discomposed, or confused. Now, when when God came to Adam and Eve, you know, after they partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you know, what was the fruit in their lives? What, what happened to them? Um, Adam and Eve, after they sinned, they, they were afraid. They were afraid. Why would they be afraid? I believe what happened to Adam and Eve was that they entered confusion. They came to a place where they were disillusioned about their own inability. Now listen to this. Adam came to God and says, God, I'm naked. God, I'm, I'm walking now in the consciousness of my inability. I've come to the knowledge, and I don't think it's knowledge just like in your mind. I've come to the experiential knowledge. Um, and we're going to look at that in Romans 7. I've come to the experiential knowledge of my nakedness. And then he said, who told you that you were naked? Who told you about this inability? Now, God spoke to man about his inability. And then Satan can also talk to you about your inability. But when Satan talks to you about your inability, it will bring you to a place where it will destroy your life. But when God talks to you about your inability, it will be something that can encourage you and give you a, a life in this world. Now let me explain that. What did Satan do to Adam and Eve? He came to them and he said to them, Adam and Eve, you know what? I want to talk to you about yourself. Did God say you should not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Um, you know, and then they said, God said we should not eat of it because the day we eat thereof, we will surely die. Now, the way I see that surely die is two ways. One meaning is you will of this death die. And surely die can also mean, I mean, in the Hebrew, it's just two words, die and die next to each other. And it's translated as surely die. You will die, die. Uh, another way, you know, you think, think of somebody, you know, that's in the streets of New York and he tries through sign language, try to explain something, you will die, die. I mean, it's like dead, dead. You will be really dead. Um, there will be no chance of life for you. So what God was saying there is that, you know what, you are in a place where your body doesn't have eternal life in it. But if you partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will not 
partake of eternal life, but you will surely die. Since you, your body is not taken from eternal life, but taken from mortar, it's taken from the dust of the earth, and by itself it doesn't have life. You know, so there's all already a, a certain form of death there. It is dust that is animated. The spirit that, is, that, that brings life to dust, that is what it is. So dust in itself without the spirit doesn't have life. It will return to dust. That's what God said to Adam. When, God, when Adam went and partook, tried by, by the ability of dust to preserve his life, he says, you'll return to dust. That is what he said. So what, he, what God is trying to do here is he's saying to Adam, Adam, don't go and get to a place where you get to the knowledge of good and evil and start to believe in your own ability because the day you eat thereof, your life will not be, your life will not be preserved. You will have eternal life. But what does Satan come and do? He comes and talks to us about our bodies. And what does he say about our bodies? What does he say about our human ability? He says, listen, man, you know that human ability inside yourself, You've got eternal life. You don't need it as a free gift. It is something that's inherent inside you. You don't need a relationship with God to have eternal life. You're an eternal, immortal being. That is what you're made of. You don't, you don't have to depend on God. Eternal life is already inside you. You don't have, you, you know, you can partake of this thing of human ability to preserve your life because you have that ability inside you. So what he comes and what he does, he doesn't get, bring the truth about us. He doesn't bring the truth about our design. He doesn't bring the truth that, that is that, you know what, you in yourself uh, you don't have the ability to preserve your life. He doesn't say that. He misleads people. He tells them that they are already clothed and they don't need to depend upon the Lord's love to preserve their lives, but that their lives can be preserved within their own ability. That is what he's saying. And what did man do? Man believed that lie. And as man believed that lie, he came to the place where he tried his human ability and tried by his own power to preserve his life. And then after he tried that, you know, remember, Eve was deceived. She gave of that fruit of the deception to Adam and to Adam. He ate with her. And what happened? And their eyes were opened. They got a revelation, an experiential knowledge of their inability to preserve their lives. And then they were confused. They saw their nakedness. Now listen, they were naked and unashamed. And then when they saw their nakedness, what happened? Now they want to cover their nakedness. It talks about a, a shame there. It talks about hiding. And in that shame, what, what takes place? They are afraid of God. They, they are now confused. They don't know how God will deal with them. And this is what happens here. It is uh, um, to be ashamed means to be disappointed, to be shaken, to be broken, to be interrupted, to be disordered, to be unsettled, discomposed, to um, disappointed is a powerful one there. And, it, and then it also says on account of a delay. So what they were thinking is, you know what? There is this promise of eternal life. There is a tree of life there. Adam and Eve saw that tree of life. But then the devil said to them, listen man, you have life in yourself. You don't have to have life from God. You don't have to have life as a free gift. You don't have to have life. You don't have God. And you don't need God to keep your life by His ability. You've got it in yourself. That is what you have. And what did they do? He came. Uh, they tried that and they were disappointed. They were disappointed. They saw it didn't work. And what happened is they walked with confusion. And God came to them and said, Adam and Eve, you know, where are you? I, I don't, you, you are a little bit um, uh, d disordered. You are a little bit discomposed. What's, what's going on with you? And they said, we, we are naked. So they started to walk in the consciousness of their nakedness with shame. Now, you can walk in the consciousness of your nakedness without shame without being confused, 
without uh, being disappointed. So you can walk on this earth in a place where you don't have immortality in your body, but you've got mortality. You've got certain signs of shortcomings without being confused about it, without being um, uh, uh, disappointed about that. You know, in, as Christians, we so many times are so disappointed if we don't see the breakthrough. We are so disappointed if we don't have the financial prosperity and all the healing and all those kind of things. And disappointment breaks our hearts. We can come to a place where we walk without disappointment in the midst of our nakedness. You know, when Adam talks, when Satan talks to you about your nakedness, he will tell you, listen, man, in your ability, inside you is something that you can right now bring forth all life and everything perfect right now. And you know what's going to happen? As you try to work all those principles, as you try to work everything it tells you to do, where you have knowledge of the good and you have knowledge of evil, which also means knowledge of hard labor, of applying human ability, applying the ability of dust or the death inside dust to bring forth life. As you try to do that, you're going to see it's not working. It will be hope deferred. It will have an expectation for something and it's not going to manifest. And what's going to happen to you, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be at a place where you feel interrupted or broken. That's what, what this disconcerted means. It means to be broken, interrupted, disordered, defeated. You'll feel defeated. You feel confused. So many of us, you know, why are we not seeing? We are seeing some signs and wonders. We are seeing some of the supernatural. We do feel peace in our hearts. You know, we, we find certain fruit of the Spirit, but we also see certain things in our life that's shortcomings. And when we see those shortcomings, you come and you say, but I've tithed, I've sown, I've, I, I, I've prayed around the town, I've, I've bound the devil, I've done all those kind of things, but something's not working, and you're at a place where you feel disappointed, you're at a place where you feel you've got the disappointed or the, the shame of it's not working. The confusion inside you. Why is this not working? It's because God has ordained, and this is what God's plan is, is brought forth man on the earth. And even after Jesus and his resurrection, there are people on the earth that's being born. And as they are born, he wants to bring forth the spirit in them that can even raise them from the dead and give them immortality. And inside that spirit, their lives will be preserved even if they die. And as people are born, more people that are born that receive the spirit, the greater and the bigger this family of God becomes. And the coming of the Lord, the Bible says, he doesn't tarry as in we think, but he wants everybody to be saved. He wants people to receive this spirit. Even if this spirit comes inside them, even if this life comes inside them and only manifests um, a certain degree of glory now, what the Bible refers to as the first fruits. Even if we have that life and we have joy and we have peace and we have the fruit of the spirit now, in the midst of seeing mortality, it is okay with God because he knows that that spirit can even quicken your mortal body even if it's dead for 10,000 years. And in his eyes, you have entered the place where you've got access to the tree of life. And he will give to those who've overcome, who has received the spirit, to eat of the tree of life. And that would be in the return of Christ. That's the meaning of that, where our bodies becomes immortal. And for those of us who live on the earth in his return, we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And our veil bodies will be fashioned unto his glorious body. And if we are at a place where we are still hoping for the immortal body, and we are seeing the shortcomings of a mortal body, we're not ashamed of that. Because we are not walking 
trying to get life to manifest in us by our works now. We are waiting for God and we, are, we have a relationship with God. You know when you get ashamed, you know when you get disappointed, when you get a, a broken, interrupted, disordered and confused, is when you want to look at your own ability and understanding and human ability to be good and all those kind of things, and you want to apply meditation, you want to apply works to try and get what God has promised to manifest in us. Let me just see that the screen is, is okay. Um, something's okay. Sorry about that. I just couldn't see myself in the monitor, so I thought everything went off there. So, what we need to know and what we need to understand is that we don't. We can be naked and unashamed, naked and not confused. I want to use something very practical. Um, you know. There's a place where the first fruit of the Spirit manifests in our lives. First fruit of the Spirit, I want to talk about, I talk about love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, meekness, temperance, faith. I, I, I even put in there things like generosity, the attributes of God's character inside our spirits and inside our minds. You know, where we can be in a life where we th see things that don't work out, where we might pray for somebody and we don't see a, ma a miracle, where we're not confused by it, where we are saying, you know, listen, I'm not going to try and use the power of the Holy Spirit to try and manifest the kingdom in this earth now, so that I, by using the spirit things, try by my doing, by the ability of dust, to use the things of God and actually use the good to try and establish the kingdom of God in the earth, to bring forth immortality in the earth. I'm not going to be confused, because I know I cannot do it, and I'm just waiting for the Lord. That is it. So, we need to understand, and, and this is what, what, what Paul says, you know, um, let, let me just see that passage there. Elena, if you can go to the Romans 8, 11 slide there, please. I'd appreciate that. can't remember which one it is. Um, but it says there, But if the Spirit of Him that raised Jesus up from the dead dwells in you, in other words, the Spirit is in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body. So what does it mean? It means we have a mortal body while the Spirit still lives in us. And then it says, we'll quicken our mortal body by His Spirit that dwells in us, for we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for it? Glory to God. So he says here that we can hope for something and not see something without being ashamed, without being confused about it, because we know how God works, that He will by His doing bring forth things. And since we have this hope, like the Bible says, you know, I believe one of the fruit of the Spirit is hope in us. The Spirit brings forth hope inside us. And what does this hope do? This expectation that God will bring forth something empowers me in the presence when I see nakedness and then I walk knowing that I'm naked but I'm not ashamed because God has spoken to me about my nakedness that's why Paul says in this world we will have tribulation but be of good cheer God has overcome the world the reason why I give this teaching is so that you so that the voice of death can be broken off your back that you will, that when you see the things of this world, you know, like I said last Sunday, there are so many people that has walked in divine health and then something tragic happened. They died, <laughs> showing that they were just mortals, awaiting immortality. So, when we look at Philippians, when Paul says, the things that are behind me, uh, the law system and, and all of that. I put that behind me and I'm not looking back, but I'm looking towards the life that is in Christ because my conversation or my citizenship is not of this earth, but of heaven. So what that means is, 
in, I know that Christ who is in heaven, that his life and his body which he possesses, that my body shall be fashioned like unto his by the Holy Spirit and nothing else. I'm not going to go and look at the human ability to try and apply good or apply what Christ has done for us. Like for instance, let me give a good example of that. We can go and say, you know, Jesus died for us and because he died for us, we are now, um, we are now going forth and we, we as people, because we've got the ability to, uh, to confess, we've got the ability to believe, we've got the abil- all these abilities as dust because God has granted dust, the ability to think, reason, and all those kind of things. And we're going to take what Christ has done, and we, listen to this, we are now going to take what Christ has done, and we are going to establish the kingdom in this earth. You know what? I want to tell you something. You're going to, you're going to be ashamed, confused, defeated. <laughs> My goodness. But Beth, you know, I, I l- Listen. It's the tree of the knowledge of good. What is good? What Christ has done is good. So you want to take what Christ has done and you want to conquer the earth and you want to conquer death. You want to conquer all those things by looking at the good and working the good. You know what the good is? This is how it works. Christ has done something very good and I'm not going to try and Make what Christ has done work in my life. I'm going to believe and rely upon Him to by His Spirit bring forth good in my life. And as His Spirit brings forth good in my life and I feel I'm going to lay hands on a sick person, I'm going to do that and we're going to see the miracle working power of God. As I feel the Spirit of God puts in me to preach this message, what do I do? It is Him birthing something in me and now we can say that we are his workmanship he's a sole proprietor which means in Afrikaans it's so beautiful he's the alien A&R. he's the sole owner of the good in me we are not taking the finished work of Jesus and then we create good in us by by somehow trying to just work it up in us no I won't tell you you're naked man You don't have the ability to make what Christ has done work in your life. All you can do is say, I live in a love relationship with God and I look at His promise and what His promise is towards me and that will give me life. Now, I want want to just read the last verse there, Romans 7 and verse 10. Romans 7 and verse 10. This is what it says. It says, And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. For the good that I want to do, uh, for the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Do you see there good and evil? The good that I want to do, I don't do it, but the evil that I don't want to do, that I do. The death, the works unto death, I work it, but I die. I look at the good and I want to do and I want to work the good and then by working the good I want to have eternal life. Do you see that 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 f- the death in the flesh is revealed there? That's what Paul says and then he goes on and says, "Who shall save me from this body of death?" The problem is inside the human body because it's taken from dust. It says, "Christ shall save me from this body and there's no condemnation, there's no eternal death for those who are in Christ who walk not after the dust but who believes and relies upon Christ. It says there, for His Spirit, if you read Romans 8, you read it on, it says, for His Spirit will quicken our mortal bodies and we shall receive the we are awaiting the adoption which is the salvation of our body and yet in all these things we are more than conquerors and nothing can separate us from the love of God neither death nor life nor anything that happens to us so while we are in this world and we see certain things happen we're not confused because we know he shall make us immortal and we know we shall be clothed upon and we can be naked and unashamed. Glory to God. Naked, not confused. Glory to God. And you want to say badly, but that's not good news for me. Let me tell you something. That is the truth. That is the truth. 
and let it be good news unto you because it takes away confusion. Because, yeah, but Bert, you know, I want everything today. I want, I, I want to manifest everything. I want immortality now. Let me read that. Elena doesn't have to go there, but I'm going to read it to you. Again, that the definition there of ashamed, it means to be disappointed because of delay. To be disappointed because of delay. You know, I'm going I'm, I'm to tithe now, and I'm taking that scripture that says, you know, he was rich and he became poor, and now I can become rich, glory to God, and now I need to be a billionaire. <laughs> Do you know how many thousands upon millions of Christians stood disappointed because of delay? Because they wanted to make what Christ has done work for them now. Listen. Christ promised, God promised that He will preserve your life. And just trust Him. And if you don't trust Him, ask God to persuade you in showing you and how, because He took your life, He took your sin, He took your death, and He conquered it and brought forth an immortal being, which Colossians says, He is your life. And as He is your life, he shall, we look for that life to come from heaven and manifest in us. Church, I want to tell you that you are deeply loved by God. You might say, Bertie, this message um, is, is not a word of faith, prosperity gospel message. Let me tell you something. I'm not saying you cannot have the first fruit of the Spirit. All kinds of prosperity all kinds of healing in this earth, I want to tell you, is still just first fruit. It is not, it cannot convey what Christ has done. The only thing that can convey it is, the, is that which God is busy doing in our hearts. We're feeling that first fruit, the down payment of the Spirit. It is love, joy, peace. Those things we start to feel in the hearts. And then we find the fruit of the Spirit in signs, wonders, and miracles where we pray for the sick and we see a miracle take place. And today I'm going to pray for the sick as well. I'm going to pray for those who's going through difficult times as well. You know, where we, where we have that and we see the first fruit of the Spirit, we see it manifest in our lives. I'm not saying there's not signs and wonders. Please, it's not what I'm saying. What I'm, this is what's so beautiful. The Bible says, and signs, wonders, and miracles. And, the, and, the, and God confirmed His word through signs, wonders, and miracles. That is what He did. And the, it even says, as the Spirit willed. Isn't that beautiful? It's powerful. As this Spirit in us came and willed and wanted it to come forth, showing us these signs of life that will bring immortality to us. Let miracles have the voice to you that there is an immortal body in the return of Christ. Let it point to you that there's something that will take place. It points to this immortality. Even if you've received a miracle, even if you've been healed, you know, everybody that's ever been healed from cancer in history, you know, um, in the, 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 that got healed more than a hundred years ago, has passed away. That is the fact. That is how it is. Because those signs and wonders were gifts of the Spirit pointing us to Christ that promised us that He will preserve our, our bodies, immort, make us immortal, so that we through those signs that it can assure our hearts that we don't have to go to the law to try and preserve our lives. Glory to God. And now when we see mortality, we are not ashamed or confused by it. Glory to God. I would like to pray for everybody that's watching. And I trust that signs, wonders, and miracles will, will take place today as I pray for you. I trust that, that, that things like supernatural provision and those kind of things will take place. And when it takes place, please don't see it as the manifestation of immortality. See it as signs pointing to what will take place. Because as you are provided for in this, in, in one instance, just in reality, you're going to find someone else being upset with you about something. Or something, you live in this world, you're going to see the things of this world. 
and how it touches your life and then you'll be confused there again because God and you know what we do we pray and we see a breakthrough then we go and study that breakthrough and look at all the dynamics and all those things and then we want to use that as a system on how to get breakthrough in every and now we're going to come conquer the world that way oh please just let us just stop with that it will leave you broken ashamed you are loved by God and let us see his love for us and let us not be ashamed that we are taken from dust for he has proven what he will do with us dust glory to God but it's only by his doing let us pray together Father, I want to thank you so much that I can stretch forth my hands to everybody that's watching. And I thank you, Lord, that you love them, you care for them, you bless them. Thank you, Lord, that this message touches their hearts. I want to pray for everybody that's got sickness in their bodies. And I thank you that that, that you have given us, uh, um, by the Spirit, the ability to go and perform signs, wonders, and miracles. And thank you, Lord, that you work with this word of immortality. And I come in the name of Jesus and I speak... Um, I just feel in my heart, I speak to people that's got kidney disorder and I thank you Lord that you bring healing to them in the mighty name of Jesus. I bring healing, signs and wonders pointing to this, to what you bring us and what you've, and the hope and that through these signs and wonders, I thank you Lord that they will veer away from works righteousness and the deception of trying to use even this miracle to manifest the kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for healing over that in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father, that people that need provision are provided for supernaturally, that signs take place in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that all kinds of sickness and disease that I don't even have to mention, that those miracles take place in this web church right now. And as people watch this later on in, even if be it years from now, and thank you, Lord, that you confirm your word of immortality in the return of Christ through these signs and wonders. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. I would just like to thank everybody that has watched and shared with us in our webcast. Thank you for allowing us to serve you with the good news. I would like to ask you, as you feel led in your heart, if you want to share this message to as many people as possible. You know, people need to hear this truth. You know, I'm not trying to build a ministry or you've heard what I've just preached. Um, I just want people to hear this truth because this truth brings life. Uh, Thank you for considering that and sharing this with as many people as possible. Know that you are loved and cared for in Jesus' mighty name. And uh, we will chat again next Sunday. Thank you for your love and your care towards those around you where you just allow the Spirit of God, you know, to just manifest these first fruits. And I trust that confusion is removed from you today 